Six minutes after 11 o'clock, this being a Monday, it is time for Technology and Society. 702. Technology and Society with Aki Anastasio. How's it, Aki? Hello, Yubi. How are you doing? I'm good. How was your weekend? My weekend was good. You're wearing a t-shirt in the studio and it's cold outside. Yeah. You know, but you got your jacket. My weekend was very pleasant. Thanks. Very chilled. Good. I uh, spent most of it indoors. Lucky you. Yes. Were you watching sports? Any of the ones that lost? Uh, don't talk about the cricket. <laughs> it's so depressing. No, no, I watched a bit of the uh, Liverpool game. Uh, yeah. So it was it was one of those weekends. Yeah. You know, I'm not much into balls and stuff. Um, cricket. <laughs> was that the right result for you? You Liverpool fan? No, no, I, I was just a Champions League fan. Uh, okay, I was so a football fan. Watching, no, okay, so, football uh, but fan. I do support mm. Liverpool. It's my second team. So, mm. but it's great. Uh, you know, I, I love Jurgen Klopp. I think he's such a, such a genuine guy. You know, he's such a loved, he loved coach. It's interesting. Whenever there's such rivalry in, a, in, you know, in, in the Premiership, which is massive around the world, and these teams hate each other, but they have yeah. the greatest deal of respect sure. for him as a coach, which That's is amazing because he's such a nice guy. Mm. So, um, this, Fascinating conversation with Emma. Yes. Is one that obviously made me think about you in relation to just how difficult it is for us to know when technology has been abused to generate fake news. Yeah. And the next big thing is deep fake. Yes. Well, you know, deep fake is something that you're going to hear a lot and lot about. It's an AI based, it's AI based technology. The coin, the, the term was coined by uh, some, some tech guy. I can't remember who it was, but basically it's technology that's used to produce or alter video content that uh, presents something that it didn't. Okay. In fact, uh, it's, it's really a fake and they're doing it with video. They can do it with voice. And, you know, Eusebius, it's no different. You know, in the past, we used to say, oh, that picture's been photoshopped. This is modern-day Photoshop. It's all it is, but it's even more realistic. And you don't need human beings to do it. Um, and they're doing incredible stuff around the world. But it's very dangerous because I can take your image. I can get some video of you. I can train the AI. And then I can put Eusebius in a porn video and start spreading that. And people think... That's Eusebius. But some people are doing it for good as well. Mm. And, um, or they, Thomas Malambo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did you have to go there? That, that wasn't deep fake. <laughs> it was live television. But, um, you know, they do some, there, there are some great uses for it. And, and, um, there's a great case that, that the, the Dali Museum, Dali the artist, right? Uh, they've taken old images of him and they've put him up in this museum. And they've done the most amazing thing. So you walk into a museum and there's this big monitor. And all of a sudden, Dali appears out of this monitor and says this to you. Greetings. I am Salvador Felipe Jacinto Dali y Domenech. And I am back. Even though Dali's been gone for 30 years, we're using artificial intelligence to bring him back today. In order to actually train this AI to, to reproduce Dali's likeness, we've started with finding the right footage of Dali. And then we split that up into frames where he's, he's looking the right way and we pick the best frames to use for training from that. Our system learns exactly what he looks like and how his, his mouth moves and how his eyes move and his eyebrows and every little detail about what makes Dali Dali. This is actually a recreated version of Dali. It's not a person playing Dali with makeup. It is actually Dali. We're very careful to use his words. 
um, so that you learn a lot about what he thought and the way he thought. Fascinating. I mean, Aki showed me how this would work when you, if you actually experience it. And if you don't know any better, and you're not quick with Google, and you don't know whether the Dali died or not in 1989, you may think. No, uh, there's it's 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 Otherwise, frightening. Yeah, hmm. it's frightening. But but everyone is doing this technology now. I mean, Samsung over the weekend released a version of technology, not commercially, that is able to do this with such accuracy by just training the AI to do it. So you know the possibilities are endless. So I'm afraid you're going to be talking about this for, you know, when you talk about deep fake, you're going to hear a lot about it because as soon as the stuff becomes commercially available, it gets very, very dangerous. What are you going to tell me next that what that robots can write like me? Well, they they can, and and this what? is it's a fascinating experiment. Brown University in the U.S. have got an algorithm, and they trained these computer scientists, enabled this robot arm, right? Uh, added a pen to it, and on this board, they just got this robot arm to start writing, and they trained it to write in Japanese, okay? And and then what they did was they inputted a whole lot of other languages, and this machine learned itself on how to write in different languages with ease. And the, the writing mm. is exactly the same as a human's writing. So now we've got robots just writing. And this robot has trained itself just from a base language to start using the exact pen strokes. And, and, and yeah, and they, 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 they showcased this at an international uh, conference for robotics and automation. Mm. They've got 10 languages now that this robot can write in, from Greek to uh, Japanese. And these are some wow. complex languages that this robot's able to do, which is quite amazing. That is amazing. Mm. GPS tracker system is one that you wanted to review. Yes, it's this one over here. Uh, it's it's a tiny one. It's it's quite an interesting one. This is a company called Captors, and they basically have the solution uh, for those people who are out of range um, that don't necessarily have you know a, a SIM card inside a device to be able to track them, and uh, ideally aimed at skiers, climbers, hikers, you know, pilots, people who do adventure sports. Now, this GPS tracker has got the availability to um, you know, to even measure altitude, for example, the speed at which you're moving, and it uses a very interesting network. I mean, it only weighs 60 grams. It's completely waterproof. It uses uh, Sigfox, Sigfox technology, and Sigfox is part of a network um, that's also in South Africa, right? That doesn't require a SIM card. So it's just a, it's a different uh, network altogether that basically covers most of the country. So you can be anywhere in the country. You download this uh, software, this app on your phone, and after you come back, it'll tell you exactly where you've been and and and, and what you've done with it. So it's really available in the country, and it's just it's incredible what, what you can do with this. Um, uh, you know, people are using it uh, for IoT, basically, which is the Internet of Things. You can put it in, you know, in various devices. You can even put different sensors onto this. It will measure a whole lot of different things. And uh, really, this is one technology that is going to be uh, pretty massive going forward. And uh, available in South Africa, as I said, you can get this device and a whole lot of different devices that use that Sigfox technology to basically um, give you these kind of readings on the IoT forum. With all these technological innovations, mm -hmm. you would have thought that um, conferencing in this sector will be changed dramatically, but you guys still love conferencing, eh? No, I love conferencing, and uh, the, the, this this massive conference that's coming up, it's a biannual conference. It's uh, hosted by the African SAP User Group, which Afsuk, and, and they do it in collaboration with SAP, which is... SAP software in the background is really, you're going to find it in almost yeah. everything that you Why do. Why do I know that name again? Hey? Why do I know that name again? SAP. SAP, yeah. not SAP. SAP. I know. People Why am I thinking confused. state capture? No, 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 no. <laughs> 
Oh yes, oh yes. Oh wow. Yeah. But but SAP SAP is in everything that I mean most of the banks are using it. It really is integrated in every every most of transactions that we do when it comes to technology has got some element of it. Okay. Um, and this year they're having their, their biannual conference in Sun City. And, uh, you know, the, the theme this year is quite an interesting one. They call it intelligent enterprise and how the continent has to harness the technology. And what's very interesting is that mm. how far ahead we are. As a, as a continent versus the rest of the world. We are outspending the rest of the world in terms of IT spend. So it's in a massive, massive conference. I got to speak to Reg Barry, who's the uh, head of the AFSEC user group. Um, and just tell us about the conference that's happening next week because it is the biggest one on the continent. The reality is that a lot of other of the first world countries are quite mature in their technology and their switching cost is actually quite high. Whereas in South Africa, we actually have the opportunity to leapfrog some technologies. So the adoption of technology in South Africa and in Africa is very high. Even using products like SAP are showing this where customers are implementing some of the latest versions and the latest solutions that are that are offered by SAP. And that's where ASU comes in as a the African SAP user group where we actually bring the different customers, the partners and then SAP together to collaborate on these technologies so that we can best apply it based on experiences for Africa, but also experiences from, from the rest of the world. Wow. You know, give you an idea of artificial intelligence on the continent. Uh, mm-hmm. This year, the MIA region, which is Middle East and Africa, and Africa forming a huge part of it, we're going to spend about $290 million on artificial intelligence. And this is going to increase to $530 million by 2022. That's how much money is being spent in this sector. Now, before I go, I want to take you back. Did you ever play Tetris? Yes, of course. Oh, did you? Mm. Okay. Yeah. How old do you think Tetris is turning this week? The game Tetris, developed by a, a Russian uh, computer game uh, scientist. 35? Fi- 35? <laughs> 35? You're spot on, you see. What? You're spot on. Give me a round of applause. Give me a round, round of applause. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me. Can, can you believe Tetris turns 35 years old this week? Hold on. Oh, you thank earned, you, thank you. It. You're spot on. I like to thank my mom. I like to thank my dad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's crazy. 35 years old. This game that, and you know, people, kids today are still playing this game. So it hasn't kind of dated. Yeah, crack the format. It's evolved it? and everything. Yeah, but it's 35 years old. Yeah. Hope you don't feel too old, folks. No, that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. But can we touch on this last thing? I yes. know we 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 have packed a lot into the show today. Yes. But I'm fascinated by the possibility that if you mess up at um, News Cafe, we can warn the bar next door that you are coming. If we have some sort of digital ecosystem for bad behavior at, at bars. Actually, Particularly in a time when there's so much horrific behavior mm. by, by so many people in terms of the nightlife. I mean, clubs are cool places for young people. They're often not safe, yeah. uh, especially for women in particular. Well, this is very scary, the, and, and it has a lot of questions uh, that need to be asked. Okay? The, 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 the technology you're talking about is called patron scan, mm. and it's got it in America. So when you arrive at a bar or uh, any kind of nightlife establishment, you walk in, they scan your ID to check it. Eusebius is valid, and then you go in, right? Eusebius has a couple of drinks. He, he pinches a, a girl's bum or, or a guy by guy's bum or causes a bit of trouble, has a bit of a fight um, and then all of a sudden the bouncers come and they say Eusebius just get out of here they scan you and say Eusebius has been uh, you know not behaving in the correct manner in our nightclub now this goes into a network okay and all the other bars 
that have this technology, as soon as you go into the next bar, you say, hey, you see, but you caused you caused problems at the bar last time we're banning you from coming in. They use facial recognition, so you can't even alter your ID. They can prove that it's you. Um, and, and the scary thing about this kind of technology, because there's, there's one thing to have the bad behavior, but what they're starting to do is they're starting to track people. Mm. So they can track you in one night and they can see exactly which bars you've gone to. They know what your demographic is. They know what drinks you like. They know how long you spend at a specific bar. And now they can take those metrics and mm. start marketing towards you. So that's the unethical side to it. They're sure. using this data to do that. But, um, you know, if, if you've caused trouble at a bar, you're not welcome at another one. I don't think that's a bad thing. Absolutely. Know? I think that's fascinating. Do you Thank think you'd be banned? Me? No. For what? For Drinko Pop and orange juice? And oh, no, way, no. <laughs> 19 minutes after 11. A bit of a dip. You've got to take some stock of the quality of your relationship a year in, two years in. Do you have any kind of measurement tools that you use by which you decide how healthy or not your current relationship actually is? Or do you struggle to know what kind of evaluative criteria to even use to think about the health of your current relationship? We'd love to hear from you. Share your thoughts, your experiences. And if you have questions for clinical psychologist Ruth, give us a call right now on 011-883-0702. It's half past 11. Safisa, what's happening in the WN headlines? Thanks, Yusivis. Good morning. It's the breaking news story this hour. Ahmed Timol's murder accused Yao Rodriguez will now stand trial for the death of the anti-apartheid activist. The High Court in Johannesburg has dismissed Rodriguez's application not to face charges for the death of Timol in 1971. Rodriguez's lawyer had argued that his client should benefit from amnesty as the killing should be considered as politically motivated. In 2017, the Pretoria High Court overturned the inquest which found that Timol's death was a suicide. The organization Undoing Tax Abuse has called on governments to find more experienced leaders to head SAA. The board is now tasked with searching for a replacement for outgoing CEO Vianney Jahana, who will leave the state-owned entity by the end of August. His resignation comes just a few days after Eskom CEO Pramani Khadebe also ended his term at the Parastato. And Sudanese Opposition Forces Doctors Committee says eight, at least nine people have reportedly been killed in Khartoum after security forces stormed a protest camp. Protesters have blocked roads with stone, stones and burning tires in several parts of the capital city, demanding civilian rule. News agency Reuters is reporting that the protesters were killed while forces were trying to disperse demonstrations. Those are the headlines. Does Eyewitness News and more at midday or as it happens? EWN Traffic. In the Joburg CBD, traffic is heavily backed up on Lillian Goy Street between Simmons and Twist, while in Bosman, traffic lights are still out of order at Albertina Sisula and the N1 South. There's also faulty traffic lights in Rand Park Ridge at Bears Nordia and Road, as well as in Cresta at Bears Nordia and Judges. Remember to report any traffic issues. You can SMS us on 31702. You can also WhatsApp us on 079-947-7020. Garawajali, EWN Traffic. 702 Family Matters 28 minutes before noon We're talking about how to measure the health of your relationships Maybe you into the hurly-burly of your relationship And you just don't even take time off To, you know, evaluate the quality of that relationship um, And I wonder why you do that Are you avoiding what the answer might be? Or maybe you don't know how to go about doing so And that's why we're chatting to clinical psychologist Ruth Hanser about exactly that. 011-883-0702. Share with us your experiences in relationships, how you think about them, what uh, criteria you use to evaluate your relationship in terms of its quality and where it's at. 
what kind of communication do you have with your partner as well around these things? Ruth, can we shift a little bit from seeking a partner to already being in a relationship? If someone is in a relationship and they've been in it for a while, they may, again, coming back to the gut, feel that, you know what, on balance, I wish things were different in some respect. I wish Ruth would, you know, not leave the seat up to do this, that, and the other. But overall, forget even about happiness in a hedonistic sense, and we take a richer notion like being content. On balance, I'm kind of content with her. I don't even need to have this evaluation conversation. Is that kind of okay, or do you think people should make deliberate time for an explicit conversation about the health of their relationship? I think it really depends on how you see the relationship. If the relationship is giving you a safe place to be and a place to be able to be yourself, um, then it's okay. If there, if you, there, if there are areas in the relationship where it is causing you conflict and distress, then I think it's important that discussions are held. Mm. Um, because healthy relationships allow you to have a safe haven, as I said, to come home to, but also a secure base to leave from. Um, Bad relationships are when you have to spend so much time tending to the relationship that you can't go out into the world unencumbered. Mm-hmm. Everything you do, um, is, there's a, there's, it's tainted by your concerns about what is going on in your relationship. Um, so it's not that you should not be periods of tending to your relationship, but good relationships allow you to have that space to go out. So relationships involved involve periods of connection, but also periods of space. Mm. People often struggle with whether it is a bad or a good sign when there are things you need to work at. And the language of and the word work is not always helpful in that regard. You know what I mean? So someone will say, okay, you might complain about your relationship to your bestie about how things are going at home. Um, and just say, you know what? I just don't have lust for a deep conversation around what he, how he's behaving. I mean, surely... The fact that I'm even having this conversation with E. Joanne means that perhaps it's time to, to think twice about this relationship. In a good relationship, it should feel effortless. Should good relationships feel effortless? I don't think any any close relationships are effortless. Mm. Um, there might be moments where things are going well, but generally it takes effort to work. And um, research by John Gottman talks about um, he studied patterns of communication where people who are, as people are having conflicts, their styles of communication are often very good predictors of whether mm. a relationship will succeed or fail. And he finds there are four patterns where if couples use these, um, use these specific styles of communicating, that um, relationships don't have um, a good prognosis. All that thought. If you want to know what those four are and you are biting your nails right now, Make sure that you don't go anywhere. O double one double eight three oh seven oh two. Becky Godfrey will take your calls. We'll also talk about these communication styles on the other side of this break. In the last twenty four hours, twenty four hours, what's happened in your world? Questions are being asked about how investigators will react after the resignation of the CEOs of both SAA and ESCOM. SAA CEO Vuyani Jahana tendered his resignation on Wednesday, less than a week after ESCOM CEO Pagamani Hadebe called it quits. SAA has not made a profit since 2011. 24 hours a day, eyewitness news, in touch, in tune and independent. Building a successful future begins with unlocking potential. 
Umuzi helps unemployed youth uncover their talent and gets them started on their career path by offering fully sponsored learnerships in high-value digital skills. Currently, they have over 400 proud alumni. With a focus on the future, Umuzi plans to expand their partner base in order to provide more vital opportunities for unemployed youth across the country. To find out how you or your organization can get involved, go to umuzi.org now. Lead SA because you can. Sold. Have you ever been to an auction at We Buy Cars? Well, your life is about to be changed. It's competitive, it's exciting, and it's just around the corner. The best part is you get to determine the purchase price. Join us at one of our weekly auctions at our Midstream and Johannesburg South branches. Registration is open from 8 a.m. on the day of the auction. For auction lineups and times, visit our website at webuycars.co.za. 702. Family Matters. Hello, Becky. Thanks so much for calling in. Hello, how are you, Sidis? We good, thanks. You can go okay. right ahead. Ruth well, is listening. I have a slight problem in my relationship. Um, I feel that me and my partner are two different people. Or we have very complex, uh, completely different personalities. I love engaging on issues. When there's a problem, I talk about it, and I want to confront it so that we can get a solution to it. She would rather avoid talking about it and hope that it goes away automatically. And I always tell her that that is not how you deal with issues. And it, it, it's getting to a point where it's really, really becoming a frustration in our relationship. So mm-hmm. She never wants to talk about anything. Even the slightest thing, even our plans for the future. She doesn't want to talk about it. She wants things just to fall into place automatically. And I say nothing ever happens that way. We need to talk, plan, and just the way forward. Mm-hmm. And it, it's becoming a problem to me. And I'm even thinking of quitting the relationship because I feel we, we are too incompatible. You know, Becky, what you say is interesting and... Ruth is one of the nicest human beings that I almost know. <laughs> um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the Chatrach one here. Just, and I'm not an expert at all. So I'm just speaking to you as one, one, one human to another human. But as I'm listening to Becky, Ruth, and please jump in after I make this comment. It's probably not helpful to someone who shuts down to speak to them in statements like mathematical truths. This is not the right way. This is not a helpful. Nothing has ever been solved through silence, Eusebius. Mm-hmm. It will probably make Eusebius go even more silent. So what is the best way of approaching a situation like Becky's where you have different preferences for how to communicate and even whether to communicate? So I think that the the most probably the most effective way is if, Becky, you can try and understand with compassion what it is that's hard for your partner because it might be that she's frightened of talking about things that um, she doesn't know how to manage difficult emotions so if you can if you are able to look at what is difficult for her and why she wants to avoid then you might understand her better because you know in terms of being able to, you are right in terms of you have to be able to address issues, um, especially issues that are causing you distress and being able to talk about things. But for me, what's important here is what is she, um, what is she scared of? Mm. And if you can get to what she's scared of, you might understand her better. And then those issues, um, will be able to be spoken about. And my suggestion is if you can't find a way to speak about it together, um, is to seek out somebody who can help you. There are organizations like FAMSA, um, there, there are organizations that provide counseling so that you can learn how to communicate and understand each other more. 
Have you guys ever approached that kind of potential help if it is available to you, Becky, as a couple? Uh, no, but it's something that we can venture and maybe look for. I, mm. I do understand and I'm thinking that is the best way to find a third party that can actually sit with us together down and try and maybe, maybe she, she can't talk to me, but, but she might be able to talk to exactly. someone else about yeah. the issue. Yeah. Okay, thank, yeah. you. thank you, Becky, and thank you for being courageous enough to call in because that's a sign that you're still present in that relationship. Without sounding like a teacher or didactic or like Socrates, isn't one useful tip, depending on how it comes out of your mouth, to turn statements into genuine, compassionate questions? So instead of telling Ruth the dangers of being silent, I might want to ask Ruth, babe, why, why don't you like it when, when I talk to you about stuff. No, that's absolutely. And that actually comes into one of those um, styles of communication that we were talking about. Let's go there, yeah. So the, the, f- the first one that's identified is criticism, which is different to voicing a complaint or critique. Criticism is when you attack the person and you attack who they are. So instead of saying, so, so something like saying, you never want to talk about anything, you are so secretive. Instead of something like, I find it difficult when we can't talk about certain issues because I don't know what you're thinking. Mm. So that is certainly um, one of the one of the ways. Mm. Um, the second way mm. is um, contempt. Couples who treat each other with disrespect, who mock, who are sarcastic, call each other names, um, or mimic each other, or roll their eyes at each other, that. Um, assumes a position of moral superiority over the other. And actually they found that contempt is the single greatest predictor of divorce. So when you don't speak to the other person with respect, we also, people often say, oh, we need honesty in a relationship. Honesty without compassion can be very cruel. Yes. So it is always about making sure that the... Say that again, Ruth. Honesty without compassion, compassion is actually very, can be very cruel. Absolutely. Absolutely, because honesty is such an important value in life, not just romantic relationships. Mm-hmm. But if you use it as an excuse to trample on someone's dignity, a partner or someone else, then really you are doing honesty a greater service. And not everything needs to be said and communicated. Mm. So, mm. Um, and then the next one okay, is... Okay, so that's criticism so, and contempt. Right? Yes, and then defensiveness. So we've all been defensive and we feel defensive when we're under attack. But a non-defensive response can actually express some sense of responsibility and admission of fault and also an understanding of your, the other person's perspective. Hmm. And then and defensiveness only escalates the conflict if the critical partner doesn't back down or apologize. Hmm. Um, and then stonewalling is actually often a response to contempt. And that is when the listener or the person withdraws from the interaction, shuts down or simply stops responding. So people who stonewall will turn away or act busy or, you know, pretend to answer their fa- phone or act in, dist- um, you know, in, in a dis- act as if they're very distracted. So they don't give you their full attention. Mm. And sometimes it's because people are emotionally flooded. Mm. They cannot cope with what's going on. So they just cut it off. And uh, I mean, those things probably are related to each other as well, right? Yes. If someone experiences your criticism as criticism and it genuinely is that, then they're more likely to shut down and probably then fall into the symptoms of stonewalling. Yes. If they are feeling attacked, that is what happens. Sure. Jason, thank you so much for calling in today. Welcome to the show. 
a bit of a dip. You've got to take some stock of the quality of your relationship a year in, two years in. Do you have any kind of measurement tools that you use by which you decide how healthy or not your current relationship actually is? Or do you struggle to know what kind of evaluative criteria to even use to think about the health of your current relationship? We'd love to hear from you. Share your thoughts, your experiences. And if you have questions for clinical psychologist Ruth, give us a call right now on 011-883-0702. It's half past 11. Safisa, what's happening in the WN headlines? Thanks, Yusivis. Good morning. It's the breaking news story this hour. Ahmed Timol's murder accused Yao Rodriguez will now stand trial for the death of the anti-apartheid activist. The High Court in Johannesburg has dismissed Rodriguez's application not to face charges for the death of Timol in 1971. Rodriguez's lawyer had argued that his client should benefit from amnesty as the killing should be considered as politically motivated. In 2017, the Pretoria High Court overturned the inquest which found that Timol's death was a suicide. The organization undoing tax abuse has called on governments to find more experienced leaders to head SAA. The board is now tasked with searching for a replacement for outgoing CEO Vianney Jahana, who will leave the state-owned entity by the end of August. His resignation comes just a few days after Eskom CEO Pramani Khadebe also ended his term at the Parastato. And Sudanese Opposition Forces Doctors Committee says eight, at least nine people have reportedly been killed in Khartoum after security forces stormed a protest camp. Protesters have blocked roads with stones and burning tires in several parts of the capital city, demanding civilian rule. News agency Reuters is reporting that the protesters were killed while forces were trying to disperse demonstrations. Those are the headlines. Does Eyewitness News and more at midday or as it happens. EWN Traffic. In the Joburg CBD, traffic is heavily backed up on Lillian Goy Street between Simmons and Twist, while in Bosmont, traffic lights are still out of order at Albertina Sisula and the N1 South. There's also faulty traffic lights in Rand Park Ridge at Bears Nordia and Eisterhout, as well as in Cresta at Bears Nordia and Judges. Remember to report any traffic issues. You can SMS us on 31702. You can also WhatsApp us on 079-947-7020. Garawajali, EWN Traffic. 702 Family Matters 28 minutes before noon We're talking about how to measure the health of your relationships Maybe you into the hurly-burly of your relationship And you just don't even take time off To, you know, evaluate the quality of that relationship um, And I wonder why you do that Are you avoiding what the answer might be Or maybe you don't know how to go about doing so And that's why we're chatting to clinical psychologist Ruth Hanser about exactly that. 011-883-0702. Share with us your experiences in relationships, how you think about them, what uh, criteria you use to evaluate your relationship in terms of its quality and where it's at. What kind of communication do you have with your partner as well around these things? Ruth, can we shift a little bit from seeking a partner to already being in a relationship? If someone is in a relationship and they've been in it for a while, they may... Again, coming back to the gut feel that, you know what, on balance, I wish things were different in some respect. I wish Ruth would, you know, not leave the seat up to do this, that and the other. But overall, forget even about happiness in a hedonistic sense. And we take a richer notion like being content. On balance, I'm kind of content with her. I don't even need to have this evaluation conversation. Is that kind of okay? Or do you think people should make deliberate time for an explicit conversation about the health of their relationship? I think it really depends on how you see the relationship. If the relationship is giving you a safe place to be 
and a place to be able to be yourself, um, then it's okay. If there, if you, there, if there are areas in the relationship where it is causing you conflict and distress, then I think it's important that discussions are held. Mm. Um, because healthy relationships allow you to have a safe haven, as I said, to come home to, but also a secure base to leave from. Um, bad relationships are when you have to spend so much time tending to the relationship that you can't go out into the world unencumbered. Mm. Everything you do um, is, there's a, there's, it's tainted by your concerns about what is going on in your relationship. Um, so it's not that you should not be periods of tending to your relationship, but good relationships allow you to have that space to go out. So relationships involved involve periods of connection, but also periods of space. Hmm. People often struggle with whether it is a bad or a good sign when there are things you need to work at and the language of and the word work is not always helpful in that regard. You know what I mean? So someone will say, okay, you might complain about your relationship to your bestie about how things are going at home um, and just say, you know what, I just don't have lust for a deep conversation around what he, how he's behaving. I mean, surely the fact that I'm even having this conversation with E. Joanne means that perhaps it's time to, to think twice about this relationship. In a good relationship, it should feel effortless. Should good relationships feel effortless? I don't think any any close relationships are effortless. Mm. Um, there might be moments where things are going well, but generally it takes effort to work. And um, research by John Gottman talks about, um, he studied patterns of communication where people... Who are, as people are having conflicts, their styles of communication are often very good predictors of whether mm. a relationship will succeed or fail. And he finds there are four patterns where if couples use these, um, use these specific styles of communicating, that um, relationships don't have um, a good prognosis. All that thought. If you want to know what those four are and you are biting your nails right now, Make sure that you don't go anywhere. 011-883-0702. Becky Godfrey will take your calls. We'll also talk about these communication styles on the other side of this break. In the last 24 hours, 24 hours, what's happened in your world? Questions are being asked about how investigators will react after the resignation of the CEOs of both SAA and ESCOM. SAA CEO Vuyani Jahana attended his resignation on Wednesday, less than a week after ESCOM CEO Pagamani Hadebe called it quits. SAA has not made a profit since 2011. 24 hours a day, eyewitness news, in touch, in tune and independent. Building a successful future begins with unlocking potential. Umuzi helps unemployed youth uncover their talent and gets them started on their career path by offering fully sponsored learnerships in high-value digital skills. Currently, they have over 400 proud alumni. With a focus on the future, Umuzi plans to expand their partner base in order to provide more vital opportunities for unemployed youth across the country. To find out how you or your organization can get involved, go to umuzi.org now. Lead SA because you can. Sold. Have you ever been to an auction at We Buy Cars? Well, your life is about to be changed. It's competitive, it's exciting, and it's just around the corner. The best part is you get to determine the purchase price. Join us at one of our weekly auctions at our Midstream and Johannesburg South branches. Registration is open from 8 a.m. on the day of the auction. 
For auction lineups and times, visit our website at webuycars.co.za. 7.02. Family Matters. Hello, Becky. Thanks so much for calling in. Hello, how are you, Philip? We good, thanks. You can go okay. right ahead. Ruth well, is listening. I have a slight problem in my relationship. Um, I feel that me and my partner are two different people. Or we have very complex, completely different personalities. I love engaging on issues. When there's a problem, I talk about it, and I want to confront it so that we can get a solution to it. She would rather avoid talking about it and hope that it goes away automatically. And I always tell her that that is not how you deal with issues. And it, it, it's getting to a point where it's really, really becoming a frustration in our relationship. So mm-hmm. She never wants to talk about anything. Even the slightest thing, even our plans for the future, she doesn't want to talk about it. She wants things just to fall into place automatically. And I say nothing ever happens that way. We need to talk, plan, and just the way forward. Mm. And it, it's becoming a problem to me. And I'm even thinking of quitting the relationship because I feel we, we are too incompatible. You know, Becky, what you say is interesting. And Ruth is one of the nicest human beings that I almost know. <laughs> um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the Chatra Juan here. Just, and I'm not an expert at all. So I'm just speaking to you as one, one, one human to another human. But as I'm listening to Becky, Ruth, and please jump in after I make this comment, it's probably not helpful to someone who shuts down to speak to them in statements like mathematical truths. This is not the right way. This is not a helpful. Nothing has ever been solved through silence, Eusebius. Mm-hmm. It will probably make Eusebius go even more silent. So what is the best way of approaching a situation like Becky's where you have different preferences for how to communicate and even whether to communicate? So I think that the the most probably the most effective way is if Becky you can try and understand with compassion what it is that's hard for your partner because it might be that she's frightened of talking about things that um, she doesn't know how to manage difficult emotions. So if you can if you are able to look at what is difficult for her and why she wants to avoid, then you might understand her better. Because, you know, in terms of being able to, you are right in terms of you have to be able to address issues, um, especially issues that are causing you distress and being able to talk about things. But for me, what's important here is what is she um what is she scared of? And if you can get to what she's scared of, you might understand her better. And then those issues um, will be able to be spoken about. And my suggestion is if you can't find a way to speak about it together, um, is to seek out somebody who can help you. There are organizations like FAMSA, um, there, there are organizations that provide counseling so that you can learn how to communicate and understand each other more. Have you guys ever approached that kind of potential help if it is available to you, Becky, as a couple? Uh, no, but it's something that we can venture and maybe look for. Mm. I, I do understand and I'm thinking that is the best way to find a third party that can actually sit with us together down and try and maybe, maybe she, she can't talk to me, but, but she might be able to talk to exactly. someone else about yeah. the issue. Yeah. Okay, thank yeah. you very much. Thank you, Becky, and thank you for being courageous enough to call in because that's a sign that you're still present in that relationship. Without sounding like a teacher or didactic or like Socrates, isn't one useful tip, depending on how it comes out of your mouth, to turn statements into genuine, compassionate questions? So instead of telling Ruth the dangers of being silent, I might want to ask Ruth, babe, why, why don't you like it when, when I 
talk to you about stuff. No, that's absolutely. And that actually comes into one of those um, styles of communication that we were talking about. Let's go there, yeah. So the, the, f- the first one that's identified is criticism, which is different to voicing a complaint or critique. Criticism is when you attack the person and you attack who they are. So instead of saying, so, so something like saying, you never want to talk about anything, you are so secretive. Instead of something like, I find it difficult when we can't talk about certain issues because I don't know what you're thinking. Mm. So that is certainly um, one of the one of the ways. Mm. Um, the second way mm. is um, contempt. Couples who treat each other with disrespect, who mock, who are sarcastic, call each other names, um, or mimic each other, or roll their eyes at each other, that. Um, assumes a position of moral superiority over the other. And actually they found that contempt is the single greatest predictor of divorce. So when you don't speak to the other person with respect, we also, people often say, oh, we need honesty in a relationship. Honesty without compassion can be very cruel. Yes. So it is always about making sure that the... Say that again, Ruth. Honesty without compassion, compassion is actually very, can be very cruel. Absolutely. Absolutely, because honesty is such an important value in life, not just romantic relationships. Mm -hmm. But if you use it as an excuse to trample on someone's dignity, a partner or someone else, then really you are doing honesty a greater service. And not everything needs to be said and communicated. Mm. So, Mm. um, and then the next one is... Okay, so that's criticism and contempt. Yes, and then defensiveness. So we've all been defensive and we feel defensive when we're under attack. But a non-defensive response can actually express some sense of responsibility and admission of fault and also an understanding of your, the other person's perspective. Hmm. And then and defensiveness only escalates the conflict if the critical partner doesn't back down or apologize. Hmm. Um, and then stonewalling is actually often a response to contempt. And that is when the listener or the person withdraws from the interaction, shuts down or simply stops responding. So people who stonewall will turn away or act busy or, you know, pretend to answer their fa- phone or act in, dist- um, you know, in, in a dis- act as if they're very distracted. So they don't give you their full attention. Mm. And sometimes it's because people are emotionally flooded. Mm. They cannot cope with what's going on. So they just cut it off. And I mean, those things probably are related to each other as well, right? Yes. If someone experiences your criticism as criticism and it generally is that, then they're more likely to shut down and probably then fall into the symptoms of stonewalling. Yes. If they are feeling attacked, that is what happens. Sure. Jason, thank you so much for calling in today. Welcome to the show. 